back to Second Chronicles chapter 20. We've been looking at these two verses here, chapter 7, or excuse me, verse 17 and 18. For the last two Wednesday nights, want to go back there again on tonight and uh, just look at what the Lord would say to us here. Let me just remind you that uh, in case you have forgotten that Sunday is Mother's Day. Man, that's to help all of us, us men out. Do not forget that, all right? Because it won't be a happy day for you if you do. All right, and so we want to bless them. But it's going to be an awesome day up here at the Tabernacle. We're going to be um, uh, dedicating nine babies to the Lord. Amen. It's always awesome. Uh, it's an honor for me to be able to do that and uh, just celebrate with the family and, and dedicating the babies to the Lord. And then also, uh, we're going to have uh, right in the atrium here uh, is going to be set up for um, for family portraits. And everybody's going to get a free six by eight family portrait and uh, done uh, professionally. And uh, it's going to be uh, free for you. And so you want to make sure you get all your crazy family here on Sunday, right? And tell them, hey, we're going to have a family portrait. Don't have to pay for it. It's going to be free and it's going to be nice. And uh, so just bring them on to the house of the Lord. And uh, let's have a great time together on Sunday morning, okay? Praise God. All right. All right. Oh, oh, here we are, Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 17. Uh, Devin, I've, I've got some reverb, I think, brother, if you could help me with that. That would be perfect. You do not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. Amen. Amen. King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by this great multitude of an enemy that it was so great that he became afraid. He did not have the manpower or the weaponry to be able to prevail against this host that he was coming up against. But he sought the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah and they prayed, and then the house in the house of the Lord, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jezreel, Jezreel and, or Jehazel, and he released a word of instruction from God. Uh, we believe that God still speaks to his people, amen? amen. And uh, just while I'm right there, let me just say also this Sunday's Mother's Day. Next Sunday is our our spring encounter, and uh, we'll be having Andre Van Zyl from South Africa will be with us, and uh, God uses him mightily in the gifts of the Spirit. You don't want to miss that. Uh, I want to look here at these instructions that God gave them through Jehaziel. 
There's four of them. The first one he tells them is you do not need to fight in this battle. Amen. God said, I, I, you don't have to fight. Stop. There's no need for you to fight. Amen. This seems like a very strange instructions considering the fact that they're surrounded by a furious army. The fact that everywhere they look, their army is encamped around about them and they, the war was engaged against them. And yet God tells them there's no need to fight. I believe that God is still speaking that word to us today. Yes, we were all entangled in some sort of battle. We, we all are dealing with something in our lives. It may be a health battle. It may be a financial battle. It may be depression or it might be hopelessness or an impossibility that it seems like is just surrounding us and pushing in on us. And we are engaged in that and entrenched in that warfare. Amen. It wears us out. It wears us down. And we grow weary in our faith. And we get tired emotionally and become exhausted. Amen. In the middle of this battle, the Lord comes and says to them, it's time for you to stop fighting. Amen. It's time for you to stop fighting. I, I used to, you know, they don't, I don't know if they still have it on or not, but it used to be called WWF wrestling. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's still called that, but I do know that during the day, uh, Hulk Hogan, he was the man, right? And, uh, during that time, he was the champion wrestler. He was uh, who wrestled all the bad guys. And he, his tag partner, his team partner, would go into the ring first and start the fight. And it will always get started badly. They, his partner would always get beat up. And, and the fight would go uh, wrong for them. And his partner would always come to a time in the fight, where the wrestling match, where the, he would come and he would tap Hulk Hogan and the, when he did that Hulk Hogan would come in and he would just wear him out amen he, he would singly handily dismantle two grown men all by himself and throw them out of the ring and mess them up Amen. But I want to tell you today that we have a champion waiting on us to tag him. And it isn't for show. It isn't something that's, that is just for TV, but his name is Jesus. And whenever the burdens get too heavy, when the battle gets too great, he, there comes a time when he says, you need to stop fighting. Amen. You need to stop your fighting and you just need to lean in on me and tag me. And whenever you tag me, he's going to step into the ring and he will prevail over every enemy. He will prevail over every circumstance. He will prevail. Why? Because he has already won the battle. He is not fighting from a place of defeat trying to get victory. He is fighting from what he has already accomplished at Calvary and the enemy is a defeated foe and greater is he that is in us now than the world that comes against us. Amen. And so look at your neighbor and tell him, stop the fight. 
Amen. Just stop it. Stop the fight. And then the second thing he tells them is set yourselves. This, this means that we are to be firm. It means to be immovable. It means to be consistent. Our faith should be set. We should not be walking on one minute by faith and the next minute in unbelief. But we should be set. We should be firm in our belief. We should know in whom we do believe. Amen. And so it's time to get off of the roller coaster of being up and being down and being all around. It's time for us to to is to settle ourselves, to set ourselves in a position of constant and consistency. To understand that even though circumstances may change, we're not going to change. Amen. Even though that the things around us and the environment and the circumstances around us may be overwhelming, we are not going to participate in what is trying to overwhelm us. We are just going to be constant and immovable in the faith that God has given us. So that it means that we will not be moved, we will not be uh, 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 worried by what is going on around us, but we will set ourselves and in what we have said, I know in whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep me against that great day. Amen. And so tonight we have, a, we have to set ourselves. Amen. When you set, when, you, when a clock is set, the time is right. Right? Because we set it, and no matter what time of the day it is, it is accurate. <coughs> but if the power goes off, if, the, if it's disconnected, if the power goes off, suddenly what used to be set is no longer set. What used to be accurate becomes inaccurate. And, and what, you, what you're depending upon is that stability, that consistency of the clock. And whenever the power goes off, you wake up and it says it's 4 a.m., but it's the sun shining outside. Come on, somebody. And so all of a sudden what was consistent, you realize that, that it has lost its consistency because it has been removed from the power source. And I say to you tonight that we can be consistent not in our own ability or in our own strength, but we will only be consistent when we remain connected to the power source. And when we are connected to the power source, which is Christ Jesus, then no matter what the storms may come, the winds may blow, but it cannot disconnect us from the source. And so we are connected, and whenever we are connected, then we stay consistent. And when we're consistent, no matter what is formed, against us, we will still prosper and still overcome. Amen. You don't ever believe a clock that's not been set. Don't believe a clock that is, it'll, it'll lose time. It's not accurate. Amen. So don't, don't let people speak into your life who have not been set. Amen. 
Don't, don't let people speak into your life that haven't been set, that aren't consistent. Right? I love you. But but listen, I, I'm not going. If if, if you if you're going through going through bankruptcy ten times, I ain't going to ask you how to set my finances up. Come on, Amen. Uh, if you if you if you uh, you are don't have consistent relationships, then I'm not going to come talk to you about how to deal with my relationship. Right. I, I, I'm not going to listen to that clock because it's inconsistent. I'm not. I'm not putting people down. I'm just saying I, we love them all, but but I'm not going to allow that to 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 set my clock. I'm, I'm going to look for something that's consistent because you see, with people that are unstable, they're unstable as water. You you can't put your trust and confidence in them because whenever they're inconsistent, you might need them whenever they went on a tizzy. You might you might might need them to pray for you when they're having a bad day, and so sometimes we all have bad days, right? But we've got to learn how to control and be consistent in our walk with the Lord so that that we're not up one day so high that we can't touch, nobody can touch us. And the next day we're so low that nobody wants to touch us. But we've got to learn how to bring balance to this thing and be consistent in our walk with God. Hallelujah. Amen. He tells him to... First of all, no need to fight. Second of all, he said, set yourself. Tell your other neighbor, set yourself. And then third, he tells them, stand still. It is impossible to stand still when you are full of anxiety. It is impossible for you to stand still when fear has gripped your heart. And we see that the Lord speaks to him and tells him to stand still because of the fear that has come upon him. The circumstance becomes so overwhelming that fear now enters into his heart and he begins to get anxious and, and anxious people do things without thinking. Right? And so he, he tells him, he says, you just got to stand still. In other words, calm yourself. Don't, don't allow this anxiety to overwhelm you because whenever you, you are, are fearful, whenever anxiety overwhelms you and fear grips your heart, then, uh, for example, if you aren't accustomed to speaking publicly, then you'll feel nervous. And you'll get sweaty palms and, and your feet, you know, will begin to knock together. Right? Nervousness just causes your body to begin to move even when you don't want it to move. It keeps us from being at peace and we're unable to stand still. But there is a supernatural power that can cause you to have peace in the midst of a storm. 
Amen. There is a, there is going to be a peace that will come to you. Amen. That will say, stand still. And when he says, stand still, he helps you to understand that you're not going to be standing on your own, but you're going to be standing in his power. You're going to be standing in his wisdom. You're going to be standing in his anointing and no weapon that is formed against you will be able to prosper. So even though the storm may have not cleared up yet, even though the enemy may still be raging and is all around you, just go ahead and stand still. Enjoy this thing because God is going to bring you through it. He tells them, stand still. Don't be anxious. Don't be nervous. Right? Whenever we get anxious and we get nervous, we start uh, doing knee-jerk reactions. Right? And we do things in difficult times that cause us years to have to get back out of it. Whenever we get into difficult places, sometimes people will spend money that will cause them years to pay it off. Other people will make decisions in life to, that will disconnect them and, and friendships and relationships will be severed and it will take years if they ever are restored. And so it's in these seasons when the enemy is coming and raging that we don't make, uh, I, I say it this way, we don't make uh, permanent decisions in a temporary situation. Because this thing is going to pass. This storm is going to stop. This circumstance is going to shift. And so I need to uh, just not be anxious and stand still in the midst of this thing and say, God, I'm going to keep my mind. I'm going to keep my focus. I'm going to stand still in you and put my trust in you. All right? Amen. And then number four, he said, stand still. And then he said, see the salvation of the Lord. God is the God of all salvation. He brings us to salvation, but we have to have a responsibility to see it. Too often we get overwhelmed by what the devil is doing and we fail to see the salvation of the Lord. Isn't it true it's easy to see the negative and hard to see the positive? It's amazing to me how good God can be to us and, and when we get into a little difficult place that, that we can't remember the goodness of the Lord. We can't remember the salvation of the Lord, right? We can't remember what the Lord has done to us, but we need to remember that, he, that we are fighting an enemy who has already been defeated. We need to remember that he goes about as a roaring lion, but he is not the lion. There is only one lion, and that is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. And he has already brought to you and I victory. Amen. So we need to remember that, that whenever this enemy comes against us and begins to roar as a lion, he just is, it's just an image. Amen. It's just a, a mimic of the real lion. But there is only one lion. So let 
uh, let's not uh, the power of him that that is coming against us and the fear that he uh, and brings against us paralyze us so that we cannot rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit because the fact of the matter is and the reality is my brothers and sisters that the devil can't touch us amen you remember our brother Job right Now, how did the enemy get access to him? He had to go through God. And so tonight there is a hedge that is built around us. And you remember Job, he he forgot the salvation of the Lord. He, He started complaining about the hedge and he said, you have hedged me in. You remember that? But what he didn't understand, Brother Carl, is the same hedge that hedged him in was the same hedge that hedged the devil out. And the enemy couldn't cross that line, that barrier, that that salvation, if you will, that protection that had been provided for him. And he did not realize the salvation of the Lord. It would do us well to remember the salvation of the Lord. Remember what he has done for us and he has provided for us and realize the enemy cannot touch us. The enemy may come in like a flood, but the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against that enemy. Amen. So we need to stop focusing on the enemy and start focusing on God. Amen. It's amazing to me how many people see boogers and demons, but they don't see no angelic host. But the Bible tells us, our Bible, your Bible, says there's more for us than there are against us. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so the reality is if you see the enemy and yes, that you can see that from time to time. I know that it's very real, but I also know that the angelic host of heaven is very real. I also know that his kingdom is very real and he is nigh unto us. So we need to quit focusing on the bad, quit focusing on the enemy and start focusing on the good, focusing on our salvation, focusing upon what God has done and just put on that that salvation. Amen. Put it on. Don't give place to fear because fear will blind you. When we are afraid, our natural tendency, what we do when a little kid gets afraid, what they do? They close their eyes. And when they close their eyes, they, they become blinded by everything that's going on around us. Fear inebriates us and it messes us up in our senses. It blurs our vision. It, spl- it causes our, our speech to become splurred and causes us to be off balance. When you're blinded, when, when you can't see, when, when, you, when you take in all of this and your vision becomes splurred and you, and you get off of balance, then the enemy can do what he wants to with you. Amen. Because you can't stay up. And when we give place to fear, we can't trust what we say. What we do or even what we hear. Because we've got drunk on fear. Amen. 
And when this fear happens to us, we need to be sober and choose to see what God sees. The only thing that will sober you up when you get drunk on fear is to see through God's eyes. To see what he sees, know what he knows, hear what he is hearing. Amen. And that is that he, we are highly favored of the Father. That royalty is flowing through our veins. That we are partakers of his divine nature. That we are of a royal priesthood. Come on. Amen. And that we are the righteousness of God. And so therefore, when we begin to take on this and we begin to see like God sees, that that drunkenness of fear will fall off of us and we'll begin to a faith will rise in our hearts and we'll become as bold as that lion and we will declare the word of the Lord and say kingdom of God come will of God be done in my life as it has been declared in heaven yes let's choose to see the salvation of the Lord And then verse 18, he says, he sees how Jehoshaphat and Judah responded to the Lord's instruction and they bowed and worshiped, right? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And whenever they did, they reverenced God. They gave honor to him. They bowed and worshiped. Bowing and worshiping speaks to me, says the fear's gone. Because if you're afraid, you're not going to bow down. You're going to be looking around. Huh? If fear is still in your heart, you will not get down on your knees and worship or bow in worship, you will constantly be looking around at your your surroundings and looking at your enemy to see what is going to happen. But when they bowed in worship, it speaks to me and says that this, this drunkenness of fear had been shoved away. Right? They bowed and they worshiped. They reverenced God and gave him honor. But they were also bowing out of the battle. Did you hear what I said? They were also surrendering this battle to the Lord. They were saying this battle doesn't belong to me. I surrender it to you. You cannot battle and worship at the same time. That's the reason why that we have to learn the art of worship. Because when you worship, amen, when you are battling, God is resting. But when you begin to worship, God goes to battle for you. So we got to learn how to worship him and trust him. Because when we begin to worship, we may be in the middle of an enemy. The the adversary may be all around us. The circumstances in the environment may not be conducive to praise and to worship. But whenever we have settled the issue in our hearts and we begin to bow our head to God and we begin to worship him and praise his name, suddenly something has happened in the spirit realm that causes this darkness to have to push back. Suddenly it says that I'm not going to try to make this happen on my own, but now I trust in God. My confidence is in him. My hope is in him and I give it all to you, right? This battle is in the hands of the Lord. So stop fighting. Stop fighting and follow the Lord's instructions. Bow out of the battle 
and set yourself, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, and lift holy hands without wrath and without doubt. Stand by night in the house of the Lord and give God praise and give him worship and watch him work on your behalf. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14. Is this okay? I want to do two more verses here out of Exodus chapter 14, verse 14 and 15. We find it here, of this story of Moses, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Mm. After hundreds of years in bondage, Pharaoh finally releases the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage and slavery, but then he regrets it and he changes his mind and he decides to pursue after them. And bring them back into captivity. Israel uh, found themselves in a difficult place. The Red Sea was before them. Pharaoh's army was behind them. And they were trapped in the middle. They couldn't turn back because Pharaoh was there. They couldn't move forward because the Red Sea was there. The Egyptians behind them represented their past. It represented bondage. It represented slavery. It represented making uh, uh, bricks without mortar and without uh, straw. It represented a a lifestyle that, that, that was not conducive or enjoyable. But yet the Red Sea represented their future. It was the new. It was the unknown. It was the uncertainty that stopped them in their tracks. Both were scary. As they looked ahead at their future, it looked impossible. How in the world were they going to be able to cross over a Red Sea? They certainly couldn't swim across it. They couldn't build a boat that would would be uh, capable of carrying them across it without the enemy catching them first. If they stepped into their future, they would die and they would drown. As they looked behind them, their past was impossible, perhaps even more impossible than their future. Egypt had been powerful, had this powerful army. It had all of these horses and all of these chariots, and Israel had no military training at all. This was a mighty army. They didn't have any military training. If they did have military training, they had no weaponry to be able to defend themselves. If they retreated, they would go back to their past. If they, if they would, uh, they would go back there and they would go there to be in bondage and go there to die. And seemingly they had no options. The future was just as scary to them as what their past was. Have you ever been in a place where that your future scared you as bad as your past? 
where that that you didn't want to go back to what you just come out of, but but it almost looked like at least you knew how to cope with it. At least you knew how to get along with it, but but you just wasn't sure because of so much uncertainty and and the future looked like you would you would step into the future and you would surely drown and die. All of us have passed where we are acquainted with some kind of scary stuff. We've been through things that you never thought you'd make it through. There's been some things in all of our lives that that whenever you got through it and you sat down and drank your cup of coffee, you just looked back over your life and scratched your head and said, how did I make it out of that? It was the Lord that kept us, huh? It was the Lord that sustained us. It was him that in his provision. But we've been through some trouble and we've been through some tribulation and we've experienced some hopelessness and some disappointments and we've we've gone through some betrayal of friends and we've learned we've been through some rejection by people that we thought would be accepting of us. But as we look back, it's amazing to see how faithful that God has been through it all. Amen. He somehow has brought us through. I said somehow he brought us through the rejection. Somehow he brought us through the pain and the frustration. Somehow he brought us through it all. And he brought us to this place that we now have a testimony in our very hearts. That even though that the circumstances around us may be a treacherous at the moment. That we know that God has been faithful to us. And he will continue to lead us on. More than likely, you're also acquainted with some coming out of difficult situations and being confronted by an intimidating future. One filled with just as many impossibilities as your past is. After being through so much, it's frustrating to look ahead and be filled with fear. I know because when you've been through the battle, when you've been through frustrating circumstances and you've done all that you know to do to try to to turn the ship or or to win the battle and, and yet it isn't enough, you become weary only to step out of that 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 place and find yourself filled with fear for your future. So what do you do when your future is as scary as your past? What do you do when you've come out, but you haven't gone in? What do you do when when there isn't no blessing to go back to? It's only pain and trouble and sorrow. But on the other hand, there's a Red Sea before you. What do you do? You do what God told Israel to do. I'll fight for you. Hold your peace. Sometimes you just have to stand still and be quiet. That's hard. So that's hard. It's hard because other people are looking at you. 
saying, why don't you do something? It's hard because you feel like you need to express something or declare something or say something. But all you, you, all you are is you're in the middle and you got to stay right there until, until God fights this battle for you. Until God prepares the way. Amen. He said, I will fight for you. Hold your peace. There's been a lot of times in my life, in difficult situations of my life, when I would have liked to told some people what I think. It would have been a whole lot easier on me. Right? Don't look at me all holy now. Amen. There's some times in my life when it would have felt like it would have been a lot easier if I could have just told everything I know. Amen? But you see, I learned the art. I'm not going to tell you I enjoy it, my brothers and sisters, but I've learned the art of holding my peace, standing still. Until God, God's at work. He's fighting this battle. He's about to open the Red Sea. And I've just got to stand still and trust him in this moment until he rolls back the water so I can go to the other side. There are some battles in which we do, do have to get involved in. We wage in those battles and conflict in, in, with our resources, with our connections, with our knowledge, with prayers. Amen. We go into battle with our praise. But during these struggles, it's comforting to know that God is fighting for us. Amen. Who fights with us? Who fights for us? Amen. But there are some battles that God will not fight with you because you don't need to fight them. He fights them not with you, but for you. These battles are beyond your conventional wisdom. They're beyond your ability. You don't have the wisdom to get through this storm. You don't have the ability to cause this ocean to open up and go to the other side. Amen. They're too big for us. But in these times, God steps in and fights for us. Amen. We all have to do this. We have to hold our peace right now. uh, Some of you need to just stop and ask God to help you. Uh, Stop asking God to help you fight with you and just say, God, I'm going to stand right here and let you fight this one for me. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know how it's going to be done, but I'm just going to stand here, hold my peace against my enemy, and I'm going to give you praise, give you worship, and let you fight this thing for me. Amen. Amen. Exodus 14 and 14, after God tells Israel to hold their peace, he told them in verse 15, go forward. God is faithful to do his part, but he expects us to do our part. What was Israel's part? It was to move forward. When faced with impossibility, the greatest thing you can do is move forward. 
that there were a lot of voices telling you to quit. Even though there's a lot of voices telling you to stop. There is a critical moment in your life that you have to press forward. You have to press forward through discouragement. You have to press forward through fear. You have to press forward through anxiety. And the, the thing is, is you, you, you have to stand still and, and you have to hold your peace. But then that God moment comes when he's fought the fight for you. He's opened the way for you. And then as a hearing ear, and now he is saying, go forward, Israel. And so it is at that miracle moment that I have to obey the voice of the Lord. I've got to come out of my fear of my past. I've got to come out of this place of standing still and waiting. And now I have to step forward by faith, even though I'm still fearful, even though I'm still discouraged, even though I'm still overwhelmed. I have to take that step of faith, knowing that God has prepared the way for me and that if he is prepared the way it is going to work. Amen. When do we, when do we in our future quit being a scared? How do you overcome fear? How do you overcome your future of, of being afraid? You run into it. <laughs> you run into it. You remember that little shepherd boy by the name of David? When he saw Goliath, he didn't run from him. He ran to him. Because Goliath was a part of his destiny. He, he was a part of his future. It was a step that he would take that would would establish David as a a young boy, a a man, if you will, that, that, that knew how to respond to God when he called him forward. And he didn't allow this scary giant to stop him. He didn't hesitate because, you know, the worst thing you can do when you're scared is stop because then you don't want to move again. But the moment that Goliath poked up his head and said, who is this that, that, that is out here? You, I called for a warrior and you've sent me a little boy. He said, I'm going to feed his flesh to the fowls of the air. I'm going to tear him apart. He's uttering, he's spewing out all of this stuff, he, all of these words to try to cause fear to paralyze David. But what does David do? He does not run from the voice. He runs toward the voice of intimidation and fear and discouragement and he speaks to it and says that you don't understand here today, Mr. Goliath. I'm not coming by myself. I know you only see me, but I'm bringing my big brother with me. Amen. And he is going to fight for me. The same God that delivered me from the hand of the bear and the pole of the lions about to take you out, Jack. Amen. You are going down today. Hallelujah. I want to tell 
you today that whenever we have to have that hearing ear and when we hear it, we don't run from the fear. We don't run back from where we came from, but we run toward our future. We run toward our destiny, not in our own might or our power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. What enabled David to be able to respond to such a manner in such a very scary future? The answer is simple. David had a scary past. (laughs) If you've had a comfortable past, you ain't so quick to run toward a scary future. But whenever you, sometimes your scary past can be your friend. Huh? Sometimes what you've come out of can be your friends. I know sure enough, I don't want to go back there, right? I'm just going to press on. I'm going to run toward my future. Today, I challenge you to make a decision to run towards your future. It may look very scary. It may look like it's a struggle. You may have to struggle through some fear. You may have to overcome some disappointment. Amen. But fear can be your friend. What do you mean? Fear will usually result in one of three things. One, it can paralyze you. Two, it can drive you back to the past from which you left. Or three, it can cause you to get your destiny quicker because you're going to run ahead. So if fear is attacking your mind, don't let it paralyze you. Focus on your future. Focus on your future. Run from that which is behind you. Run towards your future and say, this battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. Amen. It's not mine. It's the Lord's. We all have destiny. We all have purpose. You have to run toward that destiny and that purpose. Probably told you before, but I never wanted to preach, never asked to preach, didn't care to preach. It's afraid to talk to people. I'd take an F in school before I'd get up and talk in front of them. But I quickly learned something about our enemy, and that is as he has more confidence in you than you have in yourself. And long before you ever come to this place to face your Goliath, he is already so we've already been through so many bad things and we've already dealt with so many difficulties that they, we, we have come to the conclusion that what happens to us, we deserve it. And what happens to us is just God's way of, of getting us back uh, on even keel or whatever, or paying us back for the wrong we have done. And so now we deserve this injustice that comes into our lives. But I want you to know that's the lie of the enemy. That's the lie of the enemy. And I come to realize that the fear that had gripped me as a young boy 
was not about school. It wasn't about fulfilling uh, things that on the school or even on on a scale where the people would recognize me. The fear that gripped me as a young boy was to stop me from my assignment on the earth. One night when I was reading my Bible, the word of the Lord came alive to me. As he told Jeremiah, don't fear the faces of the people. Because it won't be your words that you speak, but it'll be my words that you speak. And I determined in my heart that night that I would run toward my future. saying that I'm the best, not saying I'm even the top 500 million, but I'm saying I'm still running. I've run past people that were more gifted and more talented, but I'm still running. I've run past theologians and professors that told me, whatever you do, don't be trying to preach, but I'm still running. I want to tell you tonight, what are you saying? It ain't about me. I'm talking about you because somebody's told you you couldn't do it. You couldn't make it. The enemy's come and he's put a blockade in your life. And let me tell you where that your weakness is is where God is intended for your strength to come and so the very place that the enemy attacks you at you can know that in that area somewhere in that area will be the assignment in which God will cause honey to flow out of your own life so I just want to say tonight stand still see the salvation of the Lord as you're standing still and holding your peace, listen for his voice because you're not going to stand there forever. There's going to come a moment when the battle is over and he's going to say, it's time to move forward. That's your moment that you have to choose. I'm going to move. I'm not going back, but I'm moving ahead. And I'm going into the place God has for me. Amen. Does this help anybody tonight? Is this for anybody tonight? Hallelujah. Let's stand together. <clears throat> for somebody that may be standing in fear tonight, we're not here to judge you. Right? somebody that's standing in the middle somebody that's coming out but haven't gone in for somebody that's just listening for his voice and he just wants some encouragement tonight for somebody maybe you're at that place of breaking and and the voice of the lord has come and said it's time to move from here it's time to get up now it's time to go on into that place 
but there's still reservation, there's still fear. If that's you tonight, Jamie's going to sing, and as he sings, I just want you to come, and I want to put my faith with yours tonight, and I just want to believe God to to just ignite a, a fire and a passion in you that'll cause that fear to dissipate, and God's presence just to be so real and strong, amen, that you won't miss the moment. But you're going to run into that place of destiny and purpose for your life. Okay? Amen. Let's do it.